Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates in our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast. Today, my guest is Courtney Colano, who is a U.S. Army veteran turned contractor turned govy. Currently, she is a small business owner that provides IT consulting services to government clients. And prior to that, she was the acting director and branch chief for the program management division of USDA. So today we're going to discuss how she was able to move up the ranks in the federal space, her contribution to implementing zero trust, security, and architecture, and her experience as a contracting officer representative. And within recent headlines with defense contracting, CMMC is also a very big topic. And so today we're also going to discuss how that is affecting small businesses within the defense industrial base. So Courtney, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you, Katie. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And so actually prior to this call, we were discussing how, how did I find you, Courtney? And so <laughs> you just have a really cool background. I love talking with folks that have supported this sector from a contractor's perspective and then moving onto the government side and vice versa. And so you started your national security journey in the military, though. And so what did you do? And how did you translate your skills to contracting after you separated? So it's going to be kind of funny, because I didn't start off in the IT arena. When I was in the United States Army, I actually started off in transportation and started off in logistics and things of that nature. And then I got out once I did a tour in Iraq, and I served as well. I got out, I then continued my education and that is what landed me into the IT space. Well, and that's another really huge topic of discussion amongst cleared candidates. I mean, how do you even pivot careers, especially going through a military transition? I mean, your MOS isn't really, maybe isn't really what is in demand within the the private sector at the time. So, you know, translating those skills I know is really hard. And so it sounds like education, you know, was the main thing that was able to kind of propel you into the IT industry. That is correct. So basically, I took advantage of the vocational rehabilitation program that the VA offers vets after they get out of the military. And so in doing that, I enrolled into George Mason University, and I decided to basically major in the field that I thought was going to be able to excel in the future. And being a a resident of Virginia, I basically looked around and I wanted to see what is it here that agencies are currently looking for? What is the need? And I saw that this was the IT hub, the cyber hub. I saw all of the issues facing agencies from a cybersecurity perspective. And so I then decided to go and major into information technology. So I have my master's in applied information technology and a minor and a concentration in cybersecurity. So I decided to go after that and then propelled forward in doing a little more in depth and becoming a certified information security manager through ISACA that will allow me to basically hone my experience in governance, risk and compliance, and also other areas in cybersecurity as well. Awesome. And so I have to ask, as you were, you know, trying to figure out once you separated from the military, what am I going to do next? And then you decided to, you know, get 
more education. Did you hold a security clearance and did you let it lapse or how did you kind of work out that process? Okay, so sure. So after, right after I got out of the military, I will say I didn't go straight into my education. I did become a defense contractor like most of my fellow veterans. Um, there are easily opportunities that you can you can take and become a defense contractor where I served again. I went back to Iraq for two years and Afghanistan for one. And that is where I gained my security clearance. And I made sure that I kept it active by getting on different contracts that continue to hold my security clearance. And so then I then became, once I came back CONUS, I started my education, but I still maintained a career in an area that could hold my security clearance so that it would not lapse. Yeah. I mean, I just know that's one of the biggest problems that I hear from candidates. I get wanting the break, but making sure that you have a contract to attach yourself to, I feel like is so important. And even just thinking about it, like, okay, five years down the line, am I going to want to be in this field? And you really have to take those timelines into consideration. Making sure that you keep your clearance active is crucial if you are trying to stay in this industry, if you're trying to continuously work and elevate and expand your uh, capabilities of a particular salary range, it is crucial that you keep your security clearance active. And if you can also increase the level of security clearances to get on a contract that actually will require that you have that clearance and maintain that clearance. Absolutely. And so, you know, that goes for both being a contractor and whether you get a security clearance through the government. And so eventually, you know, after being a contractor and getting your education, pivoting to gain skills to allow you to pivot careers, you found yourself in a GS-14 acting director and branch chief level role. And so tell us a little bit about how you were able to move up the ranks in the federal space. Sure. So I originally came onto the government. Again, I have to say thank you for the Veteran Affairs who allows disabled government workers and veterans to take part in some of the programs like the Wounded Warrior Program. So I was able to take a part in the Wounded Warrior Program that allowed me to become a civilian government employee. And I first started with the Department of the Navy. So in doing that, I came in, I was have to say, uh, since they don't do GS, they do pay bands. I came in on like an NT4, NT3 type of pay band. And then I started my career there. And then that's when I received the promotion, which is equivalent from an NT3, NT4, it's equivalent to like a GS910. And then I received a promotion where I moved over to USDA, which was equivalent to like an 1112. And then it was automatically 11, 12, 13 track. So within the your year, you automatically get your next grade. So I came in as a 12. And then within that year, I got my 13. And then I excelled and I continuously moved forward. And that's when I became a branch chief. And then I served in the acting director role as well. And so it's just coupled with my experience that I gained over the years in IT and program management and contracting officer representative aspects and those roles, it allowed me to excel to become a branch chief and then serve in the acting director capacity. Well, and so have you run across any folks who just maybe don't find themselves successful in the government and 
aren't able to move up? Like, what are those things that people find challenging, would you say? I would honestly say you're right on the challenging part of moving up in the government. It just depends on the, I would have to say the discipline you're in and also the location you're in. So if you are in the national capital region area, it seems that it's more prominent for you to be able to excel and move up in your career because there are a lot of agencies that are in this area, as opposed to if you're outside of the area, it seems a little more challenging to move up in, in the federal space. Also, like I stated, the discipline, if it depends on what your discipline you're in, if it's saturated, if you're in, I hate to say this, if you're in logistics in that area, which I was and I came from, I found that it was saturated and it was hard to progress and, and to move up. And so therefore I said, you know, I need to find a discipline that is going somewhere that is easier to move up in. And so I chose the IT arena into the IT and cybersecurity space. And that arena, as you notice, is it's definitely, there's a shortage of us right now. So it's going to be easy to move up. It's not going to be as challenging as other disciplines. And so in the federal government, you know, I would advise if you're looking to excel in your career, and you're looking to climb the ladder in the GS scale, look at where you're placed, look at the discipline you're in and look at where you're currently located. Well, and that's a great point, especially for those that might be contracting and looking to dip their toe in government work or, you know, younger folks who are just interested in national security careers and government might be a, a good fit, you know, depending on that discipline and, and location and all of those factors. So I, I appreciate that advice. So, Thinking about uh, your last government role, and we'll talk a little bit more about your small business, but you were a big driver of zero trust security and architecture. So could you explain what that is and why it's important for folks listening? Yes. So in my previous role, what I was in charge of was ensuring that zero trust was implemented throughout the entire USDA. So when the executive order 14028 came out, when that came out from the White House, my branch was in charge of reviewing that, uh, defining and developing a strategy to implement that and comply with the executive order. Zero trust is basically a shift in paradigm, right? So instead of having that perimeter-based focus security aspect, we're kind of looking at now, we're looking at users, we're looking at assets, we're looking at data. It is more coined to basically take a look from the perspective of the user and introducing things such as like ICAM, which is identity credentialing access management, looking at that that level of data and implementing multi-factor authentication, things of that nature, making sure that we look at the user. Which is definitely important for, I mean, any industry. I think this kind of security is something that needs to be at the forefront of everyone's minds, but especially for government and national security and Department of Defense and all you know, all of these agencies. And so moving on to, and I'm really interested in this just because I used to be a contractor. And so as a contracting officer representative, you probably have a ton of insight for our defense contracting partners, whether they are recruiters listening. I know a lot of FSOs tune into the podcast, HR professionals. So topics like business capture and meeting contract requirements, obviously understanding from a course perspective is super important. So 
Any advice that you'd like to share with those listeners today? I would say from a previous core perspective, one thing that I would would tell small business owners or BD capture planning people is to ensure that they build those relationships. That's one big thing I know, building relationships, making sure that you can get in front of the program office and then trying your best to take advantage of the programs that they offer, which is 8A. So I know a lot of companies are leveraging the 8A program. I will honestly say making sure that outside of that, you're able to get those contracts or being able to get work past performance without that. That is one thing that I will honestly say, because once you're in that program and you graduate from it, you want to know, basically, they're going to want to know, are you able to sustain and be able to sustain without having specific programs at your disposal where you can continue to grow your business. Another thing I would say that is equally as important is making sure that you partner because if you partner with other companies, you're able to go after contracts at a little faster pace than you would alone and ensure that you get that past performance. Past performance, I know, has been very challenging for a lot of small businesses who are looking to break into the industry. And then I know that they're having a challenge with basically working with those larger companies because most large companies, what I've come to learn on this side, they are not interested in working with those new small businesses. So what you will have to do, and my advice will be to partner with those other small businesses where you guys can show that your your capabilities sync and you can offer a service that's of value. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Gosh, breaking into this industry, it's so tough, but you are doing it and you have kind of the experience to back it up, you know, coming from the military, serving as a contractor, a direct billet, and then moving on to the government and now owning your own small business. So you're using all of that experience to be an entrepreneur. And so tell us a little bit about What sort of general challenges you see as you are providing IT consulting services to different clients, but then specific to the defense industrial base, like topics like CMMC. So tell us about some of those challenges that you're seeing. So there are two in particular that I'm seeing, even though I have the inside knowledge of how to conduct business with the the federal government. Some challenges that make me want to go back into the federal government are (laughs) several of them are the two that I really find I think is challenging for small businesses is past performance, gaining that past performance and also the requirements such as CMMC. Having those requirements, sometimes they are pushing small businesses out of competition or being able to actually go after certain work with certain agencies, because I understand from a cybersecurity perspective, I understand and completely agree with making sure that we have rules and regulations in places so that we can make sure that we are protecting the data, the infrastructure, things of that nature. However, what I don't want is to see that those rules and regulations or those requirements are not just so pricing out, but they are basically compliancing out the small businesses because they are not able to comply with those rules and regulations. So that's why I say they are basically putting things in place that are challenging for small business to comply because of the dollar value that it takes in order to actually get those auditing, those third-party auditing agencies to audit you and for you to be deemed compliance. So now with CMMC, I'm seeing that they are revising that version into now three different pillar areas where now you're being able to self assess your cybersecurity posture and then be able to do it that way instead of also just having third-party assessors 
who are capitalizing on the requirement and they are basically putting astronomical fees associated with that particular uh, assessment. So I'm seeing that being an issue, the past performance also becoming an issue because a lot of large businesses are not looking to partner with those small businesses due to the fact that they don't have past performance. And it's kind of like, what is it? The chicken before the egg or the egg before the chicken. It's hard to gain that past performance without the help of an, another organization, another company assisting them. And it's, and it's challenging because these large businesses, they have subcontract opportunities. But then when you go to them, they're saying, oh, what well, do you have past performance? Well, no, I'm trying to gain that. Yeah. Well, and from a candidate or job seekers perspective, you know, do you have this amount of experience? Well, no, no one's taken a chance on me and I'm trying to gain that experience. And I know that, you know, with any sort of compliance to policy. I mean, I'm thinking just because I'm a former recruiter, OFCCP, it's always tougher for the small business. There's not a lot of resources. There's not a lot of, you know, capital. You're trying to, you know, again, like you said, break into this industry. And so some of these rules and regulations to comply with, it it gets tough. It's a lot of time and it's a lot of energy and resources. I agree. I definitely agree with that. The resources that it requires to comply with CMMC is is large for a small business. But uh, like I stated, it's kind of like I understand that, you know, the government wants to ensure security and wants to ensure their security requirements because because the security requirements surrounding CMMC framework, it complies with NIST Special Publication 800-171 and NIST Special Publication 800-172. Now, Understanding that, you understand the reason why you have to have those security requirements in place, but also understanding that please provide resources that small businesses can also leverage to ensure that they're in compliance and that they are able to then go after the government contract work, which then would also ensure that agencies are meeting their small business goals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just this, you know, sort of cyclical ripple effect. And so, you know, there are pros and cons to owning your own business, working for the government, working in the private sector, working as a contractor. So uh, thank you for telling us about your journey today. I think it'll be helpful for our audience that's looking to pivot, maybe looking to jump ship from a contractor or government personnel. But any closing thoughts that you'd like to share with our audience today? From a small business perspective, I honestly would say that if you are looking to jump into this industry, you're looking to maybe, you know, ETS out of the military and to become an entrepreneur, to take it slow, you know, to make sure you maintain and build fruitful relationships. Networking is very crucial. Uh, making sure you go to the industry days and network with the program offices, the Ozdaboos. And make sure that you create a, a solid partnership with maybe three to five small businesses that you guys can partner with and go after contracts together and ensuring that you are practicing in good faith, in good faith and ensuring that you comply with the rules and regulations because there are far and many. Well, thank you for that. And thank you all to who listened to our episode of the Security Clearance Careers podcast today. For more information on networking, on cyber hygiene, and other topics like CMMC, you can visit news.clearancejobs.com. <laughs>